How y'all doing? I know you guys just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand up again. It is church after all. Thank you, Pastor Aldo. We're going to read a very familiar scripture which you just read about five minutes ago. It's Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him at the end. Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you. We thank you for what you've done thus far, the way you've moved in this service, Father God, and I just pray that you would continue to move in this place, that you would have your way with your people, that you would give your people ears to hear, Father God, that I would uh, decrease and that you would increase, Father God, so that you would be magnified, you would be glorified today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Do um, any of you know who William Shakespeare is? He was an expert on love, which is what we're going to talk about today. He, um, he was the master of the sonnet in the 16th century, so I think it's safe to say that I can stand up here for 30 minutes and just talk about William Shakespeare and we'll be fine. No? I don't think so either. <laughs> We've been trying to rewrite, justify, argue, and debate love for generations and generations. And while I can easily come up here and read John 3.16, and I can do 1 Corinthians 13, and I can talk to you for 10 or 15 minutes about the gospel presentation. We've made it in humanity where it's not quite that simple, especially with something like love. But let's contextualize because that's what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to put things into context. And because I'm not a pastor and I'm not a preacher, my goal, my objective today is to speak to you in a way that we can understand it in a practical way. So let's do that. Advent love, we've gone through joy, hope, peace, and today we're going to speak about love. And let's contextualize. So the word love, it appears in the Bible over 500 times. It appears over 300 times in the Old Testament, and it appears over 200 times in the New. Yet we can't wrap our heads around it. Even with Shakespeare's help, even with Beyonce's help, and Tony Braxton, and Sade, and who else? Tony Bennett. We, we can't get it right. A 2018 study surveying 1,000 top 40 songs from 1960 to 2010 found that the predominant topic was love. It was romance and sexual relationships. But along the way, over that period of time, there was a sharp increase not towards romance and relationships, but towards sex-related acts. So even that, we've taken kind of a left turn and done what we tend to do to things. Songs border on pornographic today. I mean, but I don't know anything about that. <laughs> so when Bishop and the guys, we, we were talking about who was going to talk about what, it just happened that I was going to talk about love. And 
uh, joke around, like, you know, we casted lots and we casted lots and God spoke and I tore up my robes because I was like, man, <laughs> me, love? Like, I had the easy one last year. I had hope, like, you know, let's hope and, you know, lunch in, you know, 20 minutes. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm not an expert on love and I don't think any of us are. And I, I said, you can ask my wife if I'm an expert on love and she'll tell you that I'm no expert at love. And I don't say that as a joke. You know, she will tell you I'm not an expert at love. But um, just so that we're clear, you know, I was kidding about the casting lots thing. I don't know. A lot of people kind of look at that different ways. I don't want to ever trivialize or criticize the move of God or the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Um, so just know that I firmly believe that when you're struggling in a particular area, God is going to call you higher in that area. So hence why I'm standing here this morning. So hang on. It's going to be fun. <laughs> All right. So what is the context here? When I was young, I was born and raised in the South Bronx. I was born in the late 70s. I was a kid in the late 80s and early 90s in the Bronx. And that was no easy thing. Um, you know, our, our neighborhood, it was called everything from gladiator school to school of hard knocks. That's where, that's where we're from. And love, didn't, it didn't come easy back then. Now, I was raised in a loving home. I knew that my parents loved me. I, you know, my brothers and sisters, we had a loving relationship, but we didn't say that so freely. Like, we weren't walking around saying, hey, bro, I love you, and hey, sis, I love you, and mom and dad, wow, I love you guys. It just didn't happen. It just didn't happen that way. It was, you know, it was more routine. It was a functional love. Where we're from, and a lot of you may share a similar upbringing, you know, there are statistics to support the fact that a lot of the kids that grew up where we grew up suffer from PTSD. I can tell you for the longest time, one of, the, one of my nightmares was the sound of a bat hitting someone's head. And that sound doesn't leave you. And that's the type of thing that people who grew up where we grew up deal with. And that's not conducive to love in action. It makes it difficult. Now, we grew up Catholic, so we did communion and confirmation and all those things. But if you've been to Catholic church, you know that there's not a huge emphasis on the gospel story. And it's a little different. So we didn't know that love of Christ. So that's the context. Yesterday, when I was getting ready to do this, it's, you know, it's still the Christmas season, so my wife was like, hey, let's go to the mall and stuff like that. So I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and I'm kind of going through this and looking at the scriptures. And I don't know, I was struck by a question that I needed to ask her, which was, babe, before I was saved, like, did I tell you I loved you a lot? Like, did we, did we share that kind of thing? And I don't know if I just wasn't ready for the answer. But she looked, and she was like, no. So I still don't know if I'm ready for the answer. <laughs> but keep that in mind as we move into this scripture readings and as we kind of move a little forward. Think about that. Before I was saved, my wife told me, no, you didn't tell me you loved me. So you guys know Pastor Chad. You guys know Chad, and you guys know that, you know, he's just like that guy. He's, he's hugging everybody. And, you know, when I first came to Christ, it didn't get any easier for me to say I love you. And if you know Chad, you know that Chad is like, I love you, bro, and that kind of thing. And he would say that to me, 
yo, I love you, bro. And I'd be like, that's great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. You know, it, it still wasn't easy because even though something was revealed to the two of us through the gospel, someone talked to the both of us about the gospel. We knew what love was. We knew who love was. We still, I still, I can't speak for anyone who's not here. I still didn't get it. I didn't get it. And I knew that there was still a lot for me to learn with regard to love. So before anything else, we're going to help one another get it. We're going to work together. Amen. So I need you to know three things this morning. The first thing is going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. And I'm only going to ask you to turn to three scriptures with me today. So get the page turning. Open your Bibles to Luke 2, 10 through 11. Get your Bible, your phone, or your iPad. And if you are there, say, let's go. And the word says, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which, all, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Say behold. behold. Say it again. Behold. You guys are supposed to sound like the heavenly hosts. Say behold. behold. There it is. With these words was the good news that would change the course of eternity. Second thing you have to know. Turn to John 19, 28 through 30. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, a plant, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Say, it is finished. finished. Powerful words. Powerful words with great purpose. There was nothing left to be done. He was the ultimate final sacrifice that was needed for our salvation. Third thing, turn to Matthew 28, 6 through 7. You guys might be noticing a pattern here. Still hear pages, so I'm going to wait. Matthew 28, 6 through 7, the word says, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Say, he is risen. He is risen. Amen. With those words, he promised that he would not, could not fail us. He completed a perfect sacrificial act of love. A love. A love. A perfect love in which we can put our hope. Such perfect order. Last year I spoke about hope and I talked to you about how we can look forward with hope because we can look backward with hope. Our God is a God of order. and He does these things in a way for us to find comprehension. He will talk to us individually through his word, um, through prayer, but he will never 
leave us in a state of confusion. There's always perfection in his word. There's always wisdom in his word. And looking at that, the birth, the death, and the resurrection, there is perfect order in that. And we'll see that a little better. So you have the big three things. And we're going to get to Luke 22, which is where I'm going to read from today. Where even everything that had precipitated Jesus' journey to the cross, people still didn't get it. People still didn't get him. All the way here at the end to the day of the crucifixion, to the, the evening before, people still didn't get him. They fell into the trap that we fall into to this very day, which is what? Sin, apathy, fleshly desires, doubt. Looking at Luke 18, 31 through 34, we can see clearly that the disciples even did not get it. Verse 31, then he took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. That's pretty clear. That's, I mean, that's easy to follow along with, but in verse 34, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken. So keep that in mind as we set up Luke 22. So what's happening? So we get to Luke 22 and if you're a morning reader, then you should have read Luke 22 today because today's December 22nd, just saying. Um, so what's happening? Jesus knows that he's on his way to the cross. This is the, basically the night of or the night before. His final act of demonstrating God's love for us. But even with everything that's happening, everything that goes on in Luke 22, the 12 still didn't get it. They still weren't quite there yet. Even though they walked with him, even though they saw miracles, here they are on this important night and they didn't get it. So let's, let's walk through... Um, Let's walk through Luke 22. Can you give me my iPad, babe? My lovely assistant. <laughs> I had to get my iPad because Bishop said, hey, you need to read. So I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> I went too fast the first service. I just kind of glanced through it, so I'm going to read. So, all right. So there's a lot happening in this scripture. Luke 22 is filled with a lot of intrigue. It's filled with a lot of drama. It's filled with a lot of cataclysmic um, dialogue. So let's look at it a little bit. So there's a plot afoot to take Jesus. Judas, one of the 12, he's part of the plot. Let's look at that. Verse three, then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the 12. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers and the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. Christ eats the Passover with his disciples. This is the last supper taking place. And they're still not focused. They're still arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. He's in agony in the garden. 
his trusted 12 fall asleep during this trying time. Verse 45, when he arose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Judas's kiss. Verse 47, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up and the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them, was leading them. He was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? Peter's denial happens in Luke 22. The Lord turned, this is verse 61. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter well, you know what? Let me give you a little bit more context on that. Verse 60, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. And finally, with a, a final act of attempt at embarrassment the, the savior is mocked one last time the men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him and this is verse 63 they blindfolded him and demanded prophesy who hit you and they said many other insulting things to him so it wasn't enough that they have him but they still needed to add insult to injury I want you to think about two things I want you to think about Judas and Peter I want you to think about that betrayal. They were one of the 12. They were Jesus' inner circle, his trusted ones. And knowing this, just remember that Jesus didn't love any less. He didn't throw up his hands and go, I ain't going to the cross today. He didn't do it. He didn't postpone anything. He didn't delay anything. He didn't second guess. He didn't doubt or think of another way out. He didn't do that. But let me ask you something, what would you do? I think it's safe to say, and I can speak for myself, but I think it's safe to say that we've cut people off for less. You've cut people out of your life for less than that. But Jesus knew what was happening. He even told Peter, look, I know you're going to deny me. But when you've repented and I restore you to fellowship, I need you to strengthen the others. Do you, do you get that? He knew. Let's read it. Starting in verse 31 in Luke 22. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And yet 
God had love to, love to give. Jesus had love to give. He prayed for him. He knew that he would restore Peter to fellowship. God's love is durable. Bishop and I were talking about this topic last week, and he said that, and I was like, wow, God's love is durable. Do you know what durable goods is? There's, there's something dependable about durability, that word. It's perfect. And I want you to know that without love, there is no hope. There is no joy. There is no peace. There is first love. And when we fast forward to Luke 23, you need to know that there Jesus is. He's on the cross in his darkest, most hopeless moment. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Together with thieves and criminals hanging on the cross. He still had love for those who acknowledged him. What you need to get from Luke 22 is that love doesn't save itself. It saves others. It's unselfish. It's compassionate. It's unconditional. He loves us that way so that we can give it away in the same way. Unselfishly, compassionately, and without condition. And that is the only way that we're going to get it. Church, when Christ resurrected, he appeared to his disciples with the scars on his hands, with the scars on his body, with the piercing in his side. Some of us sit here today and we look at ourselves and call ourselves unlovable because of your scars, because of the scars of your youth, of your past, of your sin. But Jesus died and he rose again to give you that love so freely, so perfectly. You can have that new life in spite of your scars. Repent today. Put your faith in him and be set free. And that is love. Love that is freely and unconditionally given. Bishop is going to come up here and he's going to lead communion in a few minutes. But I want to leave you with this final thought. Again, God is so perfect. The way he walks us through scripture, the way he walks us through how we can impact our own lives through the wisdom of the scripture. Let's go all the way back to Genesis in chapter three, verses six through seven. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, do we know who the woman is? Thank you. And it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They had it. They had it. And just like that, they were deceived and they lost it. How many times haven't we had it? And we were deceived, or we were apathetic, or we were doubtful, and we lost it. Their eyes were open to sin and deception, but God doesn't leave us or forsake us, does he? 
because if we go all the way back to Luke 24, 30 and 44 through 45, Luke 24, 30 says, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Verse 44, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Jesus broke bread, blessed it, and they got it. The question is, do you? Can you? Can I? This Advent season, allow yourself to be loved and love others the way Christ loves you. Not loved. The way he loves you. I'm going to ask that you stay seated. And I'm going to ask Bishop and the ushers and the music ministry to come up as communion is prepared. But it's my hope that God spoke to you today and that a seed was sown. And Bishop is going to make a gospel presentation right now. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ today, don't let this day pass by. Acknowledge him. Receive him. Experience that perfect love that will set you free. Church, I love you. God bless you. Amen.